All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the Jackson Lucas Impact Real Estate Podcast. I am Chris Papa. And I am Lisa Flicker. And we have Julio, the producer here. So that means it's podcast time. And today we spoke with Barbara Rea. Barbara is the Chief Operating Officer at Arden Logistics Parks, excuse me, Arden Logistics Parks, which is uh, based out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She lives in Southern California, and uh, she is uh, basically one of the the founders there of of Arden and and has been building the platform. She's got a very uh, interesting background. What do you think there, Lisa? Yes, interesting. And like you, she she keeps both New York and California hours. So if you ever need to reach Barb, you know, I think she's 24-7. And she took, uh, yeah, she came from another uh, similar type of platform um, where she was COO and took that and, 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 you know, joined with, with, with Arden and created the uh, Arden Logistic Park. So it's very interesting and, uh, you know, a little bit different that she's a COO and sometimes, you know, we don't have a ton of COOs on, on this. So you get to hear what, you know, what COOs do, which is, is a, a pretty fascinating. So uh, with that, enjoy the podcast. Hi, Barb. How you doing? Hi. Thanks for coming on the How podcast. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. You're in the you're in the L.A. area, Newport Beach area. Yep, Newport Beach, Southern California. And then, but a lot of your coworkers are on the East Coast, right? That's right. I think you and I share the whole uh, on the West Coast, working East Coast hours. So, yeah, I work for uh, a company that's headquartered in Philadelphia. So, a lot of my teammates are in Philadelphia. We have offices in a main office in Dallas, so oh, okay. that at least gets me to Central Time Zone. Right. But the rest of the offices are kind of up and down the East Coast. So, yeah, I uh, I'm in New York a lot. I love being in New York. Not you know this, besides the city and all that type of stuff. I just like it because when I wake up in the morning, I can like relax for like an hour or two. You know? Yeah, that was gonna what I was gonna say. How did the two of you not wake up in like the most stressed state, knowing that like. So much has happened by the time. I mean, I guess you wake up early. Yeah, we're up early. We're we're experiencing it with everyone. We're we're insane humans that get up crazy early and start our day. Maybe we should be at the gym at that hour, but yeah. we're on Zooms. I'm up. I have I have to put barriers like not look at my phone for a certain period of time. I have things like I must do first before I look at my phone. So that makes sense. That makes sense. And I have friends that live in Hawaii in our industry who are even you know. Can you imagine that? It's like a whole nother day away. Yeah, that's that's tough. You cannot work East Coast hours if you're in Hawaii. (laughs) I do have a good friend who just moved to Hawaii, one of my best childhood friends, and she works East Coast hours. She wakes up at like four in the morning or something, but then she has the afternoons to hike and enjoy Hawaii and sleep. Right. (laughs) So, Barb, you are the chief operating officer. Speaking of companies, you are the chief operating officer officer at Arden Logistics Parks. That's right. Uh, based out of Philadelphia. Yep. Can you tell us about Arden? Yeah, sure. So our parent company is called Arden Group. Um, they're headquartered in Philadelphia, been around for about 35 years, uh, an investment management company that works in a lot of different asset classes. Um, I am the chief operating officer working for the industrial platform. So we launched that platform about two years ago. Um, we have offices really kind of up and down the, the East coast. And as I mentioned earlier, also in Dallas. So we have about 10 different offices, 
50 people, about 10 and a half million square feet. And we focus on the industrial side in, in multi-tenant industrial, as well as outdoor storage. How did somebody- Outdoor storage is a new hot little space. Well, I guess not that new, but a, a hot space right now. Definitely a, a newer, a newer asset class. I think we're an earlier mover on outdoor storage for sure. How did a person in Southern California get connected with a firm out of Philadelphia? <laughs> well, you know, I'm actually born and raised in Philadelphia. So okay. I'm, I'm from Philadelphia, went to college there, um, started my career there, moved out to California about 22 years ago. Um, and have really had most of my career here in, in Southern California. But uh, I met Arden Group um, really through through business. And as as we met and got to know each other, I think we really uh, had some interesting um, synergies. I understood what they wanted to build on the industrial side, having a background in doing just that. Um, I think we we started having some conversations about what that would look like. and. Uh, I was geographically undesirable sitting on the West Coast, and they were open to that as long as, you know, I'd get on a, an airplane or, um, you know, work East Coast hours and be available. And to me, that that worked out really nicely because I actually get up early anyway, and I don't mind traveling back. Certainly, my, my family and my husband's family both live in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. So. And you're an Eagles fan, so they accept you. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else you can be. <laughs> And then, so what is, I mean, a chief operating officer is a very, I mean, that's a very high title. It's, a, it's in the C-suite. What does what a chief oper operating officer do? You know, I think it's probably different at any firm, especially like different size firms. For me, I wear a lot of different hats. When, when we started the company, it was really structuring everything. So the idea was like mapping out what is this company, what should it look like? Right. What should the company structure look like? What is it going to take to operate and do the things that we want to be able to do and achieve? How do you operate the real estate? What are the tools that you're going to need, the systems, the people, the processes? And so I'd say when I first started, it was a lot of that, like talking to a lot of vendors and um, really getting all of those things in place. And, and now it's, you know, the team is there. We've got over 50 people. Um, we've got a really solid team that's focused on the execution on the real estate. So my job continues to shift. So sometimes some part of the day it's, you know, maybe working with the parent company on, on capital raising projects. It could be working with staff and doing some leadership development. It could be hiring for new positions. It could be what I'm doing right now, which is, you know, budgeting for the next calendar year. Um, but it could be, it could be something really fun, like, you know, overhauling the way that we're presenting ourselves in the market, or it could be working on, how do we better communicate with our tenants? Do we have the right tech and the right tools for that? And how do we optimize some of those things? What do we learn from the data that we have? So it's fun. I actually look at my calendar and it's really a hodgepodge. I go like I have meetings like almost every half an hour increment and they're completely different topics. And I think that's the role for me, at least. I think that's the role of chief operating officer. It's, it's making sure we have the right people processes um, tools, technology. And, uh, you know, you only find that out by seeing the data and the results and talking to people and really getting out there and seeing what works and what doesn't and where there's holes and where there's holes, you try to provide resources and the resources could be in the form of people. Do we need another person for that? Is it a process that needs to be clarified? Is it a, is it a technology that we need? So 
always kind of looking for that. So the job is, I think, really, for me, it just definitely is is fun and engaging and always different. It's interesting because it looks like you started out in home building. And, um, and I had a stint in home building, but I, I started out at actually my, my real estate career was started at the Irvine company. So I was, uh, it was commercial there, but I did do, I did do a stint in home building too, which was a really great opportunity to understand, you know, the land and the value of the land, which, you know, Irvine company was different. Irvine company owns roughly 25% of Orange County. So every asset class that you can think of, right? So that was a really great experience, but this was a different experience because, you know, when I, when I worked at Irvine company, there wasn't a lot of like financing you had to understand because it was fully yeah fully they named the town irvine after the irvine companies not the other way around right yeah <laughs> well the irvine family uh at first but yes uh, but yeah so really that was a great experience but i did do a, a stint in home building as well so that was yeah that was great it all kind of that was my only real estate stint that was not commercial but. gotcha and then so you uh like how, how did you get you know young person living in Philadelphia. So you went to Drexel, go dragons. I, I, I had a buddy that went there. Um, I went to Rutgers, so it was kind of not that far away. Um, how did you end up in, in real estate? Was there an interest there and, and did your family yeah. have real estate ties? Like, did you even know what it was? <laughs> my, my dad was a superintendent, um, for okay. construction projects. So, um, I can tell you, I did some odd jobs with him growing up. I don't know that I'd say that it's in the same vein as, you know, what I do today, but you know, I did, I did break some drywall. Um, <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I didn't really have a lot of exposure growing up to certainly not commercial real estate other than again, going to some projects with my dad, but you know, that was really on the construction side of the house. Um, really coming out to California, I loved the real estate out here. I thought it was really interesting and I started looking for jobs and I got very, very lucky and um, I didn't know anyone out here and just landed my first week in town. I landed an interview at the Irvine company and the rest was history. And I, I really fell in love with, with real estate specifically there's the variety that comes with it. You know, it could be hotels or office or industrial or retail, and there's just so much to it. There's a lot to learn. And so I really, really enjoyed learning about the different asset classes. How do you create value with real estate? That to me became really interesting. And it was just unlimited, the things that you could, you could learn. So Did you have, so I mean, we, you know, we're executive search professionals, but you know, we get a lot of inquiries from young people. We work with a lot of the young people, who may not have traditional backgrounds or, you know, it used to be like, if you want you, know, you go to Princeton and then you go to investment banking and then you go to private equity and, or you were part of the family and that's how you got into real estate. Like now it's like, and people ask, well, how do I get into real estate? And I say, well, just take any, any job you can to get in. Right. Like what did, cause you don't know what you don't know. Like what did you have a, any sort of skill set. <laughs> uh, I, remember, no. I remember coming out of college and I was, a, I was, I was a paralegal. And I was interviewing because I wanted to not be a paralegal and uh, I wanted to get into real estate. And they're like, well, you don't really have any skill set to be in real estate. Like, yeah, I'm like, no, wow, that's kind of awful. I don't know. What, you know? Yeah. When you think what about was your I first role, my first role was in marketing. 
Um, and so I had uh, a marketing job when I lived back east for a Fortune 500 tech company, and I, I really loved it. And so I had, a, I had a decent resume when I moved here for some type of marketing or business uh, position. And so Irvine Company at the time was just launching their, their retail properties division and bringing everything really in-house, which is a strategy they, they continued to do in other asset classes. But yeah, I was really, really fortunate. It was a great way to get me in the door. And I really recognize that I love real estate. Marketing is really interesting because it ties into, to me, everything. It's how you market the property, how you lease the property. Um, but it's also, if you're building an organization, it's it's how you hire people and create a culture. And so the, that marketing background, I think, really helped me a lot. I didn't have a recruiter. Um, again, I, this is early days of even the internet when we moved here, but I started going around and looking at buildings and signs and I saw the Irvine company logo on yeah. everything. And so I went back to my uh, extended stay hotel room and started <laughs> looking them up because I made a commitment. I'll find a job. My husband's job brought us out here. Um, and I said, I'll, I'll find the job when we get out here and I'll find the place to live. So that'll be like my first focus. And yeah. Um, yeah, I started looking up who the Irvine company was. He submitted my resume, no recruiter. I mean, it's kind of like a sweetheart of a story because I, I don't think it happens like this very frequently, but submitted my resume and they called me the next day. Um, so I came in for an interview and I, I interviewed with two people who I, I still am good friends with today. And, uh, I ended up working for there for years and yeah, it's, Pretty, pretty wild of a story. If I were telling people today, like how you get into real estate or frankly, any field, I talk to people, talk to a lot of people. Um, you can't be, you can't be shy about that. Recruiters are, are great to give you context on like, what are the jobs that are out there? What's the right. compensation level? Uh, but you got to get out and, and meet with people and really figure that out. I think, you know, at the time I was also reading a book, what color is your parachute? Right. And cause when we moved here, I was like, well, the world's open for me. I, I can stay in marketing. I could do something different. Like, I don't know anyone here, but like, what am I looking for? And it did start honing into things, things I like and real estate was definitely an area I wanted to kind of pivot to from the, from the tech space. And so when I started looking and the signs, this literal, literal signs were all there uh, with the Irvine company name on it. So anyway, that's kind of how I, I did it. But I'd say for anyone really looking, you got to talk to a lot of people, make coffee dates with, with folks and find out what they do and how do they like it. And the more people you start talking to, I mean, I want to help people out. I, I really enjoy it. I'm at a point in my life and career that if someone who's younger is starting out in one's direction, I can certainly tell them like, hey, here's what I did or here's how I got there. But if I start to hear something that is really interesting to them or a field or an area, my takeaway from that coffee meeting is, hey, I wanna introduce you to someone who I know right. who actually sits in a seat that's probably really relevant. And that's fun for me. So I would say to any young people looking to get into the business, um, talk to people because there's so much you can do in real estate. If you're, you know, just kind of framing this question back up to real estate, there's so much you can do within real estate, right? So getting, getting them to talk to people who perform different functions within real estate, I think will be eye opening. And that mentorship for young people is so important. The ability to kind of 
talk to somebody, spend some time with them. I'm sure you, in your role as chief operating officer, you probably get a chance to do a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, I interview every person who comes in to the company. And one of the things I do is like on LinkedIn, I reach out to people I don't know. I do it like almost every day. I reach out to someone just to see, you know, are you happy? What are you doing there? And I learn. So if they'll take a call with me, I'll learn about the company more. I'll learn about the role that they perform. How does that company look at this role in their organization? Should we be looking at that differently? What works there? What are you not happy with? Like, what's the, so I learn a ton by talking to people. So I think, you know, that's not even mentorship. That's just me kind of understanding the universe and the the, the market and how different companies are structured. But I'm sure there's, I'm sure there, there's takeaways there for those folks as Barb, well. Barb, if you ever want to stop being a COO, come join us because what you describe is what we do all day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. That's what we do all day. I love it. I mean, look, it's it's how you learn how organizations are structured and you know organizations that do things really well, right? And that you can aspire to be. Like, I'm I'm asking people, well, what tools do you use to do that? Do you have a documented process? You guys like rigid about that? Like, I'm just trying to understand you know, companies that are, are well oiled. So not everyone wants to make a change in their life. That's okay. But I do learn a lot about, you know, the industry that way. Right. Because you know what's happening in your company, but the ability to talk to people across all companies and learn it, it. I think that's so valuable. Yeah. I think that was a good lesson for me a few years ago. I realized like I was so internally focused that, I kind of missed life going on outside of an organization. I think that happens to a lot of people because you get wrapped up in your own, like your company issues. You're so sucked into that, that you kind of miss that there's a world going on around you that does things differently and maybe even better. Uh, Or maybe you recognize like, Hey, that's an area we're really, we're really strong at. And so I, I, after a, a few years ago, I kind of made a conscious decision to spend time looking outward um, every day. And that's whether it's on LinkedIn or going to lunch with someone from a different uh, industry or different organization. Like I I really focus now on not getting so consumed into just the company because it's hard to learn um, that way. So perspective is always really helpful. So yeah. Especially when you're at the top, it becomes an echo chamber, right? So it's it's not, you you don't get that perspective if you're talking to the people in your own organization. Yeah. And having, uh, I mean, we try our best at our firm to Jackson Lucas to promote people from within, but ha- bringing in people from the outside too, especially at kind of a senior level, like when Lisa joined us about a year ago, like, I mean, just the, the knowledge she can bring from like how they did things. And like, we have, you know, we have like a conglomerate of, I call it the, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Marvel, the Marvel Avengers. I call it like the Avengers. We have like, cause we have like all these like superhero recruiters from all these different firms came and basically started our firm. And so we have all these different experiences and, and ways of doing things and we put it all together and we just try to pick the best out of, out of them all. And it's, it's great. And I love that. Um, That's I, how Garden Logistics is, which has been really fun, right? We're a younger, newer company. And so our executive team, we all came from different, we all have different backgrounds, some from bigger companies, some from smaller shops, but you know, you put that in the blender and blend it up. And we've, we've created some really good best in class processes. And so uh, I'm proud of that. When we look for, for new hires, I look at the team that they're going to be joining on. And if their team is very like institutional background, I'm okay with bringing someone in who maybe doesn't have that background because 
they're going to offer a different perspective onto the team and it's just diversity of thought, right? So they're, they're going to bring in different experiences, which I really, which I really like, but I don't want to do that. If the whole team is like institutional, it's the same, right? It's echo chamber, as you said, Lisa, like you're all going to be coming. If you hire everyone who went to the same school, right? Or the same pedigree, you start to all think really similarly. So I really like our team is diverse from, from backgrounds and skill sets. But as we hire, we've been really intentional about that as well. So it's nice to have someone who comes from institutional and they've got a lot of, you know, great processes and experiences. But I also need someone who's entrepreneurial and can roll up their sleeves and be comfortable in the fact that maybe every process isn't built out because we are a younger operator. I love that. And when you think about the science behind building teams, which is like a, a huge passion of mine, I feel like it is important that you have that diversity of thought, diversity period, and also the, the way people interact. If you have like there's there are certain like um, like uh, assessments that team that we do with people in their teams, and it's just it's always interesting to me to see how the most successful teams really have all these different personalities that come in to to achieve that. We just did, um, so we do DISC assessment at my organization. I know there's a ton of different assessments out there, but I've been doing DISC most of my career. I really enjoy it. And we we started doing it for every new hire. They not only take the assessment, they get a one-on-one -on -one personalized um, trainer who walks them through, what does this mean for you? How does this mean you communicate with the different styles? And then usually once or twice a year, we do um, a training with the whole the whole company. So we just did that about a week ago. And it's really fun to see that. And our leadership team were all from a different quadrant on the DISC uh, profile. So I think that's pretty interesting. And it is wild because if you look at like departments, there's like entire departments that sit in one quadrant. And you're like, no wonder that department is having trouble communicating with this department. They're, they just come from different places. So really spending some time and training and coaching on how to best communicate across those styles is 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 really key and it's part of the job i mean it's one of those things that almost seems like well it's a soft skill like i just need someone who's good at asset management or property management but it actually it's such a big piece of the job because unfortunately or fortunately like it's about people like we can't just we're not widgets this is not an ai job like we all have to work with each other so that's really important that we figure out how we can take these people with great skill sets and ensure that they can communicate all the great knowledge and work with these different types of personalities that we have in an organization so yeah big big believer in the in the assessment i love those yeah i took lisa and yeah. i took a pi or those and i, I crushed her she failed <laughs> i got 100 percent. i know you i know you can't win and lose in those things but yeah, it does. But apparently I lost. So, you know. <laughs> so, Barb, one of the things I, as a woman in business, I'm always interested in is what has it been like to kind of rise up through the ranks? I mean, you, you rose all the way up to the top. How how has that been for you as a woman? Um, well, interesting. I mean, first of all, I don't feel like I'm at the top of anything because there's just so much every day. I'm like, wow, I have a lot to learn on, on that topic. Um, but it's been, I mean, it's been a joy, honestly. Like I really, I love learning. And so I've gotten the opportunity throughout my career to to sit in a lot of different seats and learn a lot. I don't know that, you know, I, I think what I've learned is about a little bit more about myself. I mean, I had have two boys um, 
and just having kids as a working woman, I have a huge amount of respect for women in the workforce, especially working moms. That's not easy to do. I know I've, I've done it and certainly there's people working harder than, than I am. And so, um, I think I've learned a lot about myself and how to balance those things. And I haven't figured it all out, but, um, yeah, I certainly have learned there's there's more to life than just working and focusing on my kids and family is is important. And as a leader, I am a role model, whether you know you like it or not, your title sometimes just makes it such. And I have to be really careful and, and cautious that when I'm working and putting in all those hours that people don't think, like people don't just see me not spending time with my kids or my family. It's important. I'm I'm teaching them what the company culture is or what you know, what good behavior and rewarded behavior looks like. So I think I have to be intentional with how I show up to the team and in how I'm working. So that's part of the responsibility of women in the workforce. I love that. And to that point, I see on your LinkedIn that you're uh, on the board of advisor of a, a board of advisors of a company called Brevi. Yes. Uh, do you know the company? passion project. I don't know much about, tell me, it looks amazing. <laughs> um, it's right speaking of, podcast. yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a woman owned. Um, so it's one woman, one male, so two, two owners there, but 50% woman owned company. So it was a good segue to a, a female business. Um, it's actually the, the woman, the co-founder there is someone I worked with. I met I think my first 30 days living in California at the Irvine company. Um, so talk about great relationships. That was just, you know, it's a great alma mater, I, I'd say. But um, she's someone I've worked with at Irvine company. We've struck up a friendship. She's very entrepreneurial. Brevi basically stands for Briefly Rent Everything. And it's it's a really interesting business model. But similar to lockers you might see in, in Costco or Amazon type lockers, um, you'll see them in the whole concept is you'll see them in places like multifamily uh, real estate projects, and they will be ser serving amenities to residents. So if you wanted to rent a karaoke machine at midnight, you could do that. Um, and you, there's an app and you use that and you rent it for the night, you give it back. Um, and the next tenant can enjoy since multifamily, multifamily is a great target because you know, they're limited on space and you've got a really um, concentrated group of, of people and potential renters for for product. So, so yeah, so it's fun. And it's actually, that's a great, it's a great company. It's really fun to see the evolution there because there's a lot of different things that they're, they're doing. It's not just a, a service. It's a, there's data. There's a lot of different ways that they can monetize um, that business. So yeah, that is a passion project. It's 50% uh, female co-owner and it's been, it's been really fun. Sounds really fascinating. I love the tie-in to the real estate. I feel like that is, that feels like a perfect. Perfect fit. Yeah, it's, it is a real estate play for sure. So, you know, the, the Brevi concept, the, both of them are real estate uh, backgrounded people. So they're, that's their, that's their come from, they saw a need in the marketplace. They saw a potential, you know, target, which is multifamily, but then also, um, we're seeing uses for it in student housing and, um, even, even some retail and grocery. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of real estate play there. You know, it's funny. I, my daughter's a sophomore in college and I was thinking exactly what you just said, which is yes, student housing. 
in college, you know, there are times when you need things, but you don't need to own them. So that's, right. that's, that's a great, I love that. So we've come to the portion of the podcast where Chris usually does some fun voices and I'm going to try my best to emulate <laughs> them, but, um, are you ready for the hot seat? Yes. <laughs> oh. The Hot Seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. They do this through services which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofits, startups, and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They have also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So. They outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe it doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com. K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks. All right. All right. Um, so first question is, do you have a book or podcast recommendation to share? Yes, and I, I love that you do this because I am obsessed with um, audio content. I love podcasts and audio books. So yes, I mean, I know this is a real estate podcast, so you know you can have the typical real estate podcasts and those are great. So you know, I like, industry things like IREI, Juniper Square has a podcast, but then from other business type podcasts, I like how I built this. Um, and on like a more personal note, I love any type of true crime series. So yeah, any type of true crime. So I, I listen to a lot of that. I, I run a lot. And so when I'm running, I'm listening to either podcasts or books. And yeah, I'd say for books, um, my husband and I both love David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me. I think we were, we walked away really inspired by that. So that's, that's my recommendation. I love that. I feel like we have a very similar, we have similar tastes in those things. So this podcast, we actually loosely based on Guy Raz's How I Built This, because I, I love the idea of. And the target audience really is young people who can listen to how you built your career. And, and there are a lot of kids out there who don't have parents that are doing what they want to do or neighbors or whatever. So it's it's a really great way to kind of give that back. So I love how I built this. And, um, and I love all the things you mentioned. So that's great. Um, next question is, what do you look for in hiring people? Do you have any kind of specific traits that you look for? And do you have any go-to interview questions? Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say I have go-to interview questions, but I really like to dig in and get to know people. Um, so it's not just their skill set. I like to understand, like, I, I want stories that showcase that they're curious um, and, and problem sent like problem solving centric. I like hearing someone who's got a good work ethic, who is focused on the customer. 
So, and the customer could be an investor, it could be your tenant, um, it, you know, it could be an internal customer, but someone who is really focused on solutions. So I look for, there's not a question I ask, but I'll ask a lot of questions and have a lot of conversation around who they are, what they like about their job, what works in their current organization. And what I'm, what I'm trying to hear is the things that don't work in their organization, are they part of the solution for how, like, and I don't want to prompt that in an interview question, but what I'm looking for is someone who says, this never, this doesn't work. These two departments don't work well together. However, I created this thing and this has really helped us. And I'm really proud of that. Like that's, I'm looking for someone who's solution oriented um, and, and really solving some of the issues. It tells me a lot of, about them and their perspective. It's kind of like the glass half full or glass half empty, right? Like if someone sees the problem and focuses on the solve and the fix, like they're an optimist. They can they can get through tough times. That tells me a lot about someone versus just being in the complaint and and not solving for it. I love that. My my mother in law always says she's like I if you are the no person, get me to the yes person. Who's yeah. the person who's going <laughs> to figure out how to get this to yes? So I the creativity and the problem solving. I I think for people listening, that is those are keys to success in life. So. Um, and then the last question is, this is the Jackson Lucas Impact Real Estate Podcast. Are there any mentors that have had a real impact on you and your career? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot. Um, and, you know, this is one of those points I think is really good for young people. Like a mentor doesn't have to be someone who meets with you regularly once a month on a consistent basis. A mentor is someone you, you gain wisdom and knowledge from. Um, who makes you better or questions you and, you know, has you thinking a little bit differently about something. I think early on at my career in the Irvine company, I, I met a gentleman who, his name is Val Wheeler. He's no longer with us, but um, I learned a lot from him and he took time to talk about real estate to me in a lot of different ways that were you know, not work related. We ended up, you know, becoming really good friends. He and my husband would go on motorcycle rides together. And I think we were like, you know, he had kids our age. So we were just like an extension. We didn't have family out here. He was new to, he and his wife were new to the area too at the same time. And, you know, I got to learn a lot from him and how he interacted with people and how he solved problems. And so I'd say he was pretty influential for me, but I've had a lot of people that have been, and I think it's just, seeking seeking out someone you can learn from again mentors don't have to be this official you know title where someone has this like regular commitment but you can you can gain wisdom from a cup of coffee with someone you know just and, and reaching out to someone who does something that's really interesting i love that well the next time i'm out on the west coast i'm definitely going to try to get you to come out for a cup of coffee with me and pick your brain because it feels like you're you're doing a lot of a lot of very interesting things and talking to a lot of very interesting people regularly. Well, I can pick your brain on some recruiting. <laughs> Anytime. Anytime. Uh, yeah, so that's, that sounds good. Yeah, thank you. That would be that would be great. So Barb, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was really, really wonderful having you on. Um, I agree with your initial comment. You are a ray of sunshine. I loved this whole conversation <laughs> and um, look forward to getting to meet you in person. Yes, Lisa, same. Thank you so much. It was it was a pleasure.